0: monday everyone and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Frarian and smith podcast week five gave us glimpses at what may be ahead as the sunbelt continues to move deeper into conference play louisiana and south alabama went down to the wire as did coastal carolina and georgia southern caden you've said it before but it really does feel like most every team in this league could win on any given weekend
1: no, man, we saw just some of the Sunbelt's best at it again this week. And I think some of the Sunbelt's really establishing itself this week. And if you just look at the box scores, if you watch the games, just the level of talent that the Sunbelt's been putting on week in and week out has been very impressive. I think all teams have at least one or two games that, have, that they can hang their hat on and have some, some pride about. So I'm super excited to get into these matchups because we saw a lot of good things out of some teams we had some high hopes about and some teams maybe coming into the season we didn't expect to have such strong seasons so far. We
0: saw some teams take care of business this past weekend. We saw some non-conference upsets as well, particularly that Troy Western Kentucky game that we'll get into in detail today. But as you've come to expect on Monday, we'll start with the Sunbelt scoreboard segment where we'll review all the results from around the conference in week five. Right after that, Kate and I will dive into some of the big matchups from over the weekend uh, we'll start with Georgia State. They went up to West Point, New York, playing on Army's campus. They were an eight-and-a-half-point underdog in that game, and they went on to win by 17 points, picking up their first victory of the year. A big result there for Georgia State and a much-needed result if they want to start climbing back into the race. James Madison played at Texas State. Uh, that game was in Harrisonburg, despite what we tried to tell our listeners on Friday, that that game was being played in San Marcos, Texas. We were reminded of that on Twitter, so... Thank you for that, our friends, the JMU fans. JMU was a 22-point favorite in that game. They won it handily, winning by 27. JMU improves to 4-0. and App State played the Citadel, and this one was a blowout, except in the third quarter when... The Citadel held the ball for 14 minutes and 45 seconds in that third quarter, despite App State scoring more points in that quarter. Explain to me how that happened. I don't know. But App State now sitting at three and two on the season. Marshall also played an FCS opponent in Gardner-Webb, a team that has been kind of pesky to Sunbelt schools so far this year. That game was in Huntington. Marshall, a 31-point favorite. They did not cover the spread winning by 21, but Marshall improves to 3-2 and on the season. The big one, and this game took place around 5 p.m. over the weekend. Louisiana and South Alabama, a battle for the heart of the West. In South Alabama, they came in an 8.5-point favorite, but Louisiana played really well. The defense was fantastic. Held South Alabama's offense down, but South Alabama able to win 20-17. to The Raging Cajuns now 2-3. and Name the last time that that happened. To Louisiana, South Alabama, looking like they're in the driver's seat in the West. They're 4-1 at this point. Old Dominion took on Liberty. I think the big storyline was a catch by one of the Liberty receivers in this game. Old Dominion played well. Perhaps Hayden Wolf's best game of the season. Uh, but it wasn't enough. Liberty would win 38-25. to Old Dominion falls to 2-3. and three. And another big note there, Zach Kuntz injured early in that game. We're still awaiting word on his injury status. We expect to hear that early this week. Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern, Caden, this was a game that I thought Georgia Southern was gonna win. And right down until that the Myrtle hurdle took place with 38 seconds to go, I was in the driver's seat on that one. But Coastal Carolina survives. They were a 10-point favorite in that game. They failed to cover the spread, but survive winning 34 to 30. The shots now five and O as Georgia Southern falls to three and two. Arkansas State in ULM. This one turned into a blowout in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Arkansas State, a seven and a half point favorite going in. They win by 17. Now Arkansas State and ULM both two and three. Also two and three is Louisiana. So those three teams tied after a couple weeks of conference play. Troy and Western Kentucky, the last game that we'll talk about this weekend. It was a big one. Troy went in as an underdog on the road, taking on one of the best offenses in the country. A team, Caden, that I know shredded that App State defense just a season (laughs) ago. And... Troy able to win 34-27, to uh, and now Troy's 3-2 and on the season and looking like a definite contender in the West as well. There's still two undefeated teams left in the group of five, and they're both in the Sun Belt. JMU, Coastal Carolina remaining undefeated, a perfect 9-0 if you combine those two records. And Sun Belt schools, if you count all the wins and losses over the weekend, including the conference matchup, Sun Belt schools go 8-5. and Southern Miss had a bye this week. Another good weekend for the Sun Belt. And, you know, yes, did some of the weekends at the beginning of the year get more hype? Absolutely. But, Caden, you think this was probably one of the best weeks of the year for the Sun Belt?
1: I don't know. All you have to do is watch the games. It was pretty simple as that. I was tuned in this week for sure. And shout out Dish and um, Disney Network for having their beef. It really took away from my watching of other football this weekend. But it really gave me some more time to lock in on the Sun Belt. And all the games were fantastic, man. The Georgia Southern Coastal shootout was amazing. South Alabama ULL game did not disappoint. And Troy's performance that we talked about that you called your shot on, they played a fantastic game. So I think week in and week out, you can rely on some of these Sun Belt matchups being Better than some of these other matchups you can really catch on television, especially from some of these Power Five conferences where it's a little bit more lopsided. But you talked about how close some of the records are and how close some of these teams are as far as how they're playing right now. We're about to see them play each other even more. So I'm super excited about just what the Sun Belt has going on right now. And it being a, really a tight race if you look at each side of it and making it a little bit more, more drama than we're used to seeing, a little bit more parody than we're used to seeing in the conference traditionally as we go into the, the middle of this schedule.
0: Caden, I am happy to report I did see on Twitter that Disney and Dish have struck a tentative deal to return ESPN channels to both Sling and Dish Network. So you are back in the running, and I guess now your focus will be split next weekend as we move into week six of the college football season. But let's jump right into some of these big matchups, and Caden, we hyped this game up on our Friday episode. It was our game of the week, and boy, did it. Live up to the hype. Louisiana hosting South Alabama at Cajun Field. Louisiana, we have ripped on them for multiple weeks. They've had a poor start to the season. They played probably their best game of the year. They held down a really good South Alabama offense, but they weren't able to win 20-17, to the final. South Alabama picks up their first ever win in Lafayette and also snapped an 11-game winning streak for Louisiana at Cajun Field.
1: No, this was an instant Sunbelt classic. I mean, if you look at the, the classic Sunbelt games where you have a little bit of defense, a little bit of offense, you see which team really wants it more. It was, it was this one for sure. I mean, the first half was such a defensive battle. Both teams were very disruptive. ULL stayed in the backfield. They never really get, let Carter Bradley get super comfortable. His I think South Alabama even took a little bit to settle into this one. His receivers were dropping some passes early, but the, the, the first quarter of the game, Nothing really happened, and then ULL kicks it off with a punt return for a touchdown. Didn't expect that to happen, and then it just turns into a 7-7 game. Carter Bradley finally leads them to a drive that leads in points, and then it's a 7-7 ball game. You feel like both teams played almost like a full game's worth of, of reps. Both teams look beat up and tired, and then the, the second half of completely flipped, and you saw some more offensive fireworks. So we have been talking about ULL all year and them not showing up as an offense, but it looks like they found a quarterback in this one. They stuck with their guy the whole entire game, and I think that They found who's going to be their guy for the rest of the season. I think if you look at Carter Bradley, I'm sorry, Wooldridge, he was but more of a dual threat option. I thought they should have went with the entire year just based on the brand of ball they're going to play. And I think it worked out for them in this one. He got to pick up some third down conversions for them and do some stuff with his legs that I don't think Chandler Fields was able to do. I'm not sure if it was a health issue with Chandler Fields or not, but I think Woodridge is going to be their guy going the rest of the year. And I think even though they lost this one, it is a huge one for South Alabama. I think the raging Cajuns at least figured something out going into the rest of the season for them.
0: Hey, I have to imagine your little special teams heart was smiling uh, on that, on that return there. Uh, But South Alabama off to their best start to a season since 2010. They're sitting at four and one. And don't look now, but South Alabama, they've got a pretty easy schedule coming up. Uh, They're going to play they're going to play ULM and South Alabama could be bowl eligible in a couple of weeks. And I think that has to make some Jaguar fans extremely excited after they were right on the precipice of that last year. South Alabama's offense had probably their worst game of the year in this one, a season-low 361 yards, but as they continue to prove each week, they're a very complete team, and they have the ability to win in multiple different ways. Um, They had a season-low in yards on the ground at 116. And Caden, I think one of the biggest storylines in this game is kind of the redemption story of Diego Guajardo. Last year, if you remember, South Alabama was playing Louisiana, and they lose that game 20-18 to after Guajardo misses a late field goal that would have given South Alabama the victory, and at that time probably would have put South Alabama into a bowl game had they been able to win that game after they finished the season with five losses. He's having an outstanding year this year, 7-7 seven for seven on field goals. He's missed just one extra point, and he hits the 43-yard game winner. That has to make a lot of Jaguar fans very happy because I know that there was a lot of griping about Guajardo's play last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you hear him talking after the game, he was talking about visualizing that moment and being ready for that moment. You just have to love hearing that if you're a South Alabama fan and just a football fan, man. The kicker position obviously gets a little bit more less talked about. We tried to give him some attention because he was having a phenomenal season, not missing any of his attempts. And he stepped up in the moment and it was huge. And I think if you listen to him talking after the game, Kane Walmack talking after the game, um, Carter Bradley talking after the game, you hear all the stuff they're saying and how big this win meant for them and how really deep they had to dig to get it and just how they feel like now they're in the driver's seat. Kane Womack was talking about this is the first time now they have the target on their back instead of having to hunt for other people. It's, it seems like they're ready for it. They seem like they've been preparing all offseason for this game and to take control of the West and they did it in this one. So it wasn't the prettiest win, obviously, but if you're a South Alabama fan, you kind of have to like that a little bit. I mean, you want your team to show they can play big in these big games, in these tough moments, and they definitely did, especially in the, the end of the um, first half or the second half. The drive ULL had before that was absolutely crazy. They have like a seventeen play touchdown drive. It's the first time yard were, drive. It was the first time they've been able to move the ball the entire year, and it was just it was just the craziest drive. Like you, everything that you could have imagined happened. Chris Smith finally got going, which was huge. He had a big run. It gets called back for a holding. Then, then the qu- quarterback Woodridge on a third down, pulls it on a read and fumbles it, and then Chris Smith picks it up and converts the third down himself. The goal line stand was huge. Chris Smith then busts another run and he pulls his hamstring. It looked like it would have been a touchdown, but he hurts his hamstring, so that takes more time off of the clock, and then they really had to earn it, but then South Alabama comes back. They get huge catches out of um, Jalen Wayne. They get a huge catch out of um, Colin Lacey at the end of the game on those third down conversions and set their kicker up, Guadalajara, for the the winner. So I, I think They had not a lot of time on the clock. They had to run literally a 40-minute, a 40-second drill, and they did it. So South Alabama was put in a very tough position in this game, and they set themselves up to win it, and they did. So if you're a South Alabama fan, you have to enjoy that and you have to like that.
0: I was definitely disappointed because my pick of Louisiana winning the West is looking less and less likely, especially with Troy and South Alabama looking good. But props to you, Caden, on this. I did also want to give props to Louisiana in this game. You mentioned their ability to rally in this contest. And this is a Louisiana team that has been, you know, at times this year, they've looked really bad and good on Louisiana in this contest. After trailing, they were down 10 10 points with 13 minutes to go. They come back and they score those 10 points to tie this game. I, I think that's something that you can build off of if you're the Raging Cajuns.
1: Hundred percent. Like I said it before, I think hopefully they stick with Woodridge the rest of the year. They've been talking on the broadcast about it being more of a two quarterback system, but I think in this game they really proved, and especially in the West, I think their defense can win them football games, or at least keep them in them long enough to where their offense could have that counter punch in that that second win maybe in the second half because their defense played a phenomenal this game. They were disruptive at the right times, but I think the main thing that held ULL back was just some of their penalties and not really. A ton of penalties for them but this is the timeliness of them like after a big play it would get erased a turnover in a key moment i think if they clean up some of those little things we can see them still be scrappy you talked about we haven't seen them as a two and three team in a while but i do think they're one of the teams who out of all the teams in the sunbelt can compete at the highest level i think we knew i at least thought that they would keep this game close i think we both thought they had that championship pedigree and that dna still in that room so i thought that They'd compete, and they'd fight in this one, and they did. And I think if they show up to every game like this, they can beat just about anybody in the sun. But regardless of what they have going on on the offensive side, it's going to be more of a a plus if they do get that going for them as well.
0: Hey, last thing on this game, the Jags' defense has been really good over the last two games. They've had six interceptions. They've caused two fumbles, and they held Louisiana's offense under 300 yards in this game. Uh, Really, there's not much that doesn't seem to be working down in Mobile right now.
1: No, I mean, you're, and then they get a bye week, which is just huge for them. So hopefully in this bye week, they rest up. They don't drink too much of their own Kool-Aid or they get, get too big of a head going into the rest of their conference schedule. But man, they have to be feeling good about what they have going on on all sides of the ball. It's good that they faced a good ULL defense, so they do have some stuff they can clean up. They can clean up some of those drops and some of just the efficiency they had going on the offensive side of the ball. But tough, tough team to beat right now in South Alabama for sure.
0: South Alabama looking like they could potentially be a 9-10 to win team now if you look at their remaining schedule. The Jags looking really good at this venture point. Let's move on, though. Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern, another game that we thought could be close. I think I thought it was going to be closer than maybe you did. I had Georgia Southern winning this game until 38 seconds left in this game. That pick looked really good. I think I might even have sent you a text at some point let, like my pick was going to land. Uh, but Coastal Carolina... Uh, on the backs of the Myrtle hur- Hurdle, and I quite literally mean on the backs because C.J. Beasley um, probably was the worst nightmare of that Georgia Southern defensive back right there, hurtling over him near the goal line for the go-ahead touchdown. And Coastal Carolina just continues to answer questions, Caden. They are 5-0 and again for the third straight year. Jamie Chadwell and company, they're just proving that they know how to win. This Coastal Carolina team, they come, they now have uh, 27 victories in their they're 27 and three in their last 30 games which is the second best record in college football the team that they're tied with Georgia
1: no it's <laughs> this was a great shootout. you talked about it going into this one and I definitely expected points out of both teams but really Southern was in the driver's seat for the most majority of the game. They were pushing the offensive pace. I think the beginning of this game, the first half was headlined by great defenses. Both teams played tight coverage. They both got a turnover in the first half. And in the second half, Van and the guys just start picking up the pace. And the whole time, Coastal was really trying to catch up with that pace. They went for it on a fourth down. That was huge. They didn't have to do that. And they go up 10 points. So it's like, okay, now Coastal really seems like they're on the ropes. And I think that's my, maybe when you would have sent me that text because Jalen White runs the ball that puts them up 20- And it's like, okay, well now Southern has a 10-point lead and it doesn't look like they're stopping. But like you said, man, Coastal always has an answer. That might be Grayson McCall's new nickname if you're talking like Allen Iverson, the answer, because he had an answer to all these questions that were getting thrown at him, which was just really the scoring of, of Georgia Southern's offense. But he kept up the pace and he had the ball in his hands to end the game. And I think if you're a Coastal Carolina fan, and anyone in that community, if you have, if you're down, if you're tied, if you're up, it doesn't matter. If you have the ball in Grayson McCall's hands at the end of the game, you're probably feeling like you're in good shape.
0: Kaden, okay, I think there needs to be, I think we need to create a group of five Heisman trophy because Grayson McCall had a Heisman moment in this game. This was probably his best game of the season. And you know what was funny is this came against a Georgia Southern team that he never played against. And I know I sent you this tweet at 1221 a.m. on uh, Saturday, or I guess it would be Sunday morning at this point. I was still up. I don't know why. But Grayson McCall tweets out. He says, Georgia Southern, my name is Grayson McCall. I really apologize for the wait, but I'm glad we finally got to meet. Great team effort 5-0. and You love that little jab there from McCall who had, just an outstanding game. Throws for three hundred and thirty-five yards, three touchdowns. Now his his touchdown to interception ratio this year fourteen to one.
1: No, he's just the mile of efficiency. I mean, he threw sixty-seven percent. It was literally his his second worst game of the season as far as percentage goes, but threw for the most yards. And we talked about him, <laughs> man. He just always he just always had an answer. He led four touchdown drives in the second half. They were all seventy-five yards or more, like the last three in a row were huge for them and he was extremely accurate this game we always talk about how accurate he is but his deep ball accuracy was just on another level and I think it's really because his team needed it. he threw a 60-yard post ball to Jared Brown that was just on the money between a couple defenders that was huge for them then at the end of the game on the last drive before we had that Myrtle hurdle from CJ Beasley he throws a 30-yard hole shot in that last drive that was just a perfect cover two beater did it with his arm did it with his legs he also ran for a touchdown so he's just putting the team on his back right now I think the reason we saw him have such a good game in his best of the year is because that's simply what his team needed of him. He's going to do what his team needs for him week in and week out. If you're up a lot, you need him to control the pace of the game. run the clock out, make just quick, easy decisions. He's going to do that for you. But if you're down bad in a game like he was, down 10 points, He's going to have a response. He's going to show that arm off and do what he has to do to win the game. So hats off to him, man. He had an amazing performance, and I agree. If you're looking at a Heisman Trophy for this conference, it's hard to go against him or what Toddie Touchdowns is doing right now as the quarterback position.
0: We saw 64 total points in this game, 50 of them in the second half. And Caden, you were talking a moment ago just about those second-half drives from the Coastal offense. They had three straight second-half drives that resulted in touchdowns. All three of them took less than two minutes. This is a Coastal team that continues to show why they're one of the best, if not the best team in the East. And I think they put defenses on notice with their ability to score points extremely quickly.
1: Yeah, we talked about the running game. We were definitely worried about, Southern being able to hold up against Coastal's running game, but they did pretty well for the most part. They held him 150 yards, but then Coastal had to throw the ball to win this game. And I think that was something we were worried about coming into the season. You lose, I see Isaiah Likely, you lose Javon Hellick, so you're wondering who are going to be those top targets, but it doesn't matter for them. They have Brown playing well, Pickney playing well. I mean, Grayson seems like he's clicking better than he's ever clicked with his receivers uh, leading up into this game. So he completed long passes to all of them. You have 61-yard balls, 30-yard balls, 27-yard balls to all these guys. So I think they're showing that they can do it deep now because they needed to. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if Coastal's offense – says, hey, maybe we start a game like this. Maybe we play like we're playing behind and kind of get up in this game a little bit because they keep it close. They like to run their methodical, balanced attack with their run pass, but they showed a lot of explosive things in the past game this game. So I think if they're them, they kind of have to think a little bit, okay, well, it, it was nice that we were come, able to come back and have a win like this, but maybe we can start off games like this as well. And that would, I think, make them even more dangerous than they already are right now in the conference.
0: I think what was interesting is, if you remember back all the way to the beginning of this season, one of the things we talked about, Coastal, was... Uh, Having to replace all of those wide receivers, the tight end Isaiah Likely, they've done that. And Coastal is looking very good, and yet they still don't have their top three running backs. So you add that into play, and this is a Coastal team that's going to be really hard to beat. I did want to give a lot of credit, though, to Georgia Southern in this game. I mean, for really, you know, 37 minutes, or no, more than that, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, really for 50-plus minutes of this game, Georgia Southern looked like the team to beat uh, Jalen White and Kyle Van Treese had big performances. White on the ground, Van Treese through the air. They combined for over 429 yards of total offense that that pair was uh, responsible for. I did find this industry interesting, though. Georgia Southern, we've talked about it at length on this podcast. They've been really good on third downs this year, close to 70%. They convert just 9 of 20 in this game, a little bit under 50%. But that was definitely the difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, their play calling, though, you have to love. I mean, it seems like their offense is catered for White and Ventrice right now. Seems like they have one of the better one-two punches if you look at the quarterback and running back position in this conference right now, and their play calling was money. But I think some of that may have to do with the weather. You had some inclement weather in the beginning of the game, and I think the play calling was still money. We talked about that fourth down call, running it for a touchdown. So I think if you look at them, I think they're still feeling good about themselves. Like we said, going into this, I think they're house money gamblers right now. They have three wins. They had three wins last year. So it's really only up from here. They played an undefeated coastal team. They have to be proud of at least how they competed in this one and feel like it got away from them a little bit towards the end. And that's a little bit on their defense for not being able to hold up against literally what we've talked about as being one of the most efficient offensive tacks in the conference and in the country. So I think for Georgia Southern, you still have a lot of, of good to feel about. And I think your offense is still looking efficient. You're going to play a lot of teams that aren't as good as this. You have a big game at Georgia State following this week. So I think There's still a lot of good momentum for this team, and I still have high hopes for them as far as what we expected for them going into the season versus what they can achieve.
0: Well, those were the two big conference games this weekend, but Cade, the next game we're going to talk about may arguably be the most impressive game of the weekend, and that was Troy going to Western Kentucky, a conference champion. Western Kentucky's offense, well-documented their success. They've had over 30, 30 points in games uh, in 18 straight games and Troy ends that uh, this weekend, Troy winning 34 to 27 up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Caden, why was this victory so impressive?
1: Well, I mean, if you look at non-conference opponents, you could play Western Kentucky's. Don't get it twisted, anybody listening to this. This is not a slouch. This is a conference champ from last year who is probably going to be the conference champ this year. And they stepped up big to the occasion for for Troy. I mean, if you look at the Western Kentucky team, they just beat this team is beating a lot of teams in the Sun belt, probably most teams in the Sun belt. They have that pedigree, and their offensive attack is huge. And I think. If you look at this game, man, I think that the moral of the story is bend, don't break. I mean, they gave up 400 yards. They knew Western Kentucky was going to want to establish that passing game, and they did. But the defense stepped up big, and they really kept them out of the end zone, especially in the second half, and limited that, that, that passing game to not scoring as many touchdowns. So they didn't allow a second-half touchdown until four minutes left in the game, and that really allowed their offense to get going. <clears throat> Sorry, let, let the run game get going really ultimately win this game so if you're Troy you have to feel huge about this non-conference win just especially how you've had a troubled past as far as games ending for you how the App State game ended for you and pulling out a tough one at Marshall and then pulling out another tough one here I mean they have a really good two-game resume if you look at their last two weeks and this is a huge win for them.
0: Okay and I noticed that you gave Western Kentucky credit as a conference champion but one thing and I'm just going to chalk it up is you not wanting to mention this, but you forgot to give them credit as a bowl champion last year <laughs> as well. Uh, but we won't go into any of that any further. I just noticed that, uh, you know, oversight on your part. But, um, yeah, this was a really good game, and it had some great storylines. I think number one in this was Gunnar Watson goes down with injury, and Troy is first forced to turn to their backup, Jared Daigie. And there's a fantastic story regarding Jared Daigie even being at Troy. Jared Daigie was one of the best passers of all time at West Virginia University. Uh, he transfers to Western Kentucky. He's expected to be the starting quarterback heading into this season until Division II standout Austin Reed also transfers to Western Kentucky. Reed wins the starting job two days before the end of training camp. Jared Daigie announces that he's going to transfer. He ends up at Troy. And in the biggest game, one of the biggest games of the year for Troy, their starting quarterback, Gunnar Watson, who we've talked about, has been fantastic all year long. Suddenly he goes down with injury. Jared Dagey comes in against his former team that he never played a game for. He just went through training camp. He architects two touchdown drives at the end to give Troy the victory. Talk about a movie script that couldn't have been written any other way.
1: Nah, no, Daggy came up big for them. I think that was a, a great story. And I'm sure he had some something on, on the back of his mind when he was playing seven for eight, two touchdowns. I mean, what more could you ask for from your backup quarterback? And I think his his first one, he even got an A and one. He got a roughing the passer on that one, threw a touchdown, took a big shot, still converted it. So you got to love it for him. I think I saw on Twitter, they posted a video and they, they said, teach me how to Daggy, And it was him just cutting up after the game, dancing with his teammates. So great vibes and great energy over there. And Shout out, Yeah, shout out Western Kentucky. Sorry, the Boca Raton champs. I thought I thought them winning a conference championship was more impressive than one win over (laughs) App State in a bowl game. But shout out to Troy, man. I'm definitely jealous of Troy figuring out the formula and the recipe to beat this lethal offensive attack. And they definitely figured it out. I think the biggest thing was just the two turnovers. Carlton Marshall got an interception and then Richard Jubiner at the end of the game forces a fumble. On the last drive where Western was driving, driving, you kind of had, saw the writing on the wall to, like, okay, this team that passes the ball a lot is down a touchdown and they're driving to end the game. Maybe this is, this will be the touchdown drive that does it for them. And then they force the fumble. They get a huge play. I mean, Jubin has an amazing story too. He's from um, Nigeria, I believe. He's a freak athlete, came over here. So just a storybook ending for Troy. There's a lot of good things going on for them right now. And I think if your backup and your starter are this lethal and your defense can play this well, it's, it's a good looking scene for you if you're in this conference.
0: Okay, now I'm going to give you a lot of credit right there for how you just turned that one around on me about it being more impressive to be a conference champion than beating App State. Uh, I think that was one of your best turnarounds since we have started this podcast. So good on you for that right there.
1: Yeah, man, I have a couple. I have a couple bowl wins. That's that's the only bowl game I didn't win, so I I, I can digress on that. I can I can let them have it.
0: <laughs> well, whenever we get to doing video with this podcast, Caden, I think uh, one of those first episodes we're gonna have to have you wear your bowl rings, and then you can really uh, talk some smack. But um, you know, in this game, Troy obviously looks really good. I think one of the biggest things that is going unnoticed a little bit in this game was one of the the biggest problems that we've had with Troy, and I think why we have not picked with them a ton this year, was that was they've been very one-dimensional on offense. The defense we know is going to be good for Troy. The offense has been a surprise this year, but it's been a one-dimensional surprise, meaning that their passing game has been good, but their running game has almost been non-existent. In this game, though, the difference in this game was Troy's running game, and they got it from a guy who had a ton of success to start his career in DK Billingsley at Troy, He has a fantastic year back in 2019, but then over the last two years, you know, struggling with some injuries, playing time, he only had 126 yards over the last two games. He breaks out in a huge way, 122 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And if Troy can establish that running game to go along with this touted passing game, this is a Trojans team that has suddenly put themselves right up there with South Alabama in the West as a title favorite.
1: Yeah, don't get it twisted. Troy does not run the ball a lot, and that's not their identity right now, but that does not mean they have not good running backs. Billingsley and Videl are both tough tackles. I've had to tackle both of them personally. They're not guys you want to tackle, and I think with this offensive attack, if you do have a defense that's constantly on its heels waiting for the pass game and you can catch them off guard with the run and be effective with it, it's going to be huge. I think the running game was kind of sneaky. Only a 21 yard um, chunk play. That was the longest run of the game, but they just got five yards when they needed it, four yards when they needed it. They got to stay ahead of the chains, especially at the end of the game. We have a backup quarterback coming in. Okay, we need it. We're up a little bit. We need to burn the clock out. Let's run the ball effectively and take our chances when we do throw the ball and we're up. I think that's going to be huge for them going forward. I think it's going to be safe to say if Troy's defense, led by Carlton Marshall, shows up big week in and week out, which we, I think we both expect them to, the passing game's going. And then if you get the running game as a bonus, I think. It might be safe to say if Troy runs for 120, 130 yards in every game, they're probably going to win. Like, that's just a formula for them that the passing game is going to be there. The defense is going to be there. If you get that added bonus and boost from that run game, they're going to be a very, very hard team to beat. So shout out to them for really showing some dimensionality in this game and really covering all their bases as far as the offensive attack, because that was huge for them.
0: Before we move on, and we'll go kind of through the next four games very quickly, but before we move on, Caden, I just wanted to get your thoughts a little bit on that West title race. At this point, it to me, it feels like it's either going to be South Alabama or Troy that's coming out of the West, and I mean, there were two games when we looked at this West early on in our preview episodes to begin this season. One of them, South Alabama-Louisiana, that game took place this last, last weekend the other one was a game that's going to take place on October 20th on national television in Mobile and that's Troy at South Alabama. To me it feels like we're probably going to know who's going to win the West in about 2 weeks.
1: Yeah, I don't want to jump the gun too too fast. Shout out to the the people at Southern Miss that love to to chime in and give their takes on this podcast for sure, Why did but you we have talked to about go the West there? Be- <laughs> I think I was listen, trying to I avoid that
0: conversation.
1: At, <laughs> I think if you look at the, yes, yeah, it's their bye week That'll be the last time I, I, I mentioned him. But if, I think if you look at the West, you have to agree. Yes. Troy and South Alabama looked like the two front runners and that's could be just the makings of a really exciting in-state western rivalry going forward I think for sure but I think you have to look at those two as the front runners right now but I think a lot of these teams especially the ULL Arkansas State showed some good things this week and I think as we get along towards the season we see how they play against each other there's going to be room for some of that like you said before with Southern getting a win maybe some eastern madness I think some western madness is going to be up for stakes for sure I think Southern Miss Texas State Arkansas State can keep this thing interesting ULL showed that they can be or ULM, sorry, show that they could beat a team like ULL. So I think there's going to be some interesting things, but you're right. I think that stretch where you have South Alabama playing Troy is going to be what we thought about going into this one with South Alabama beating ULL is the marquee matchup that might decide the West. I think it's hard to deny that that South Alabama versus Troy game is going to be something that's going to definitely be the blueprint to who's going to be uh, a Western Conference representative for the conference championship.
0: Okay. Now I am looking ahead a little bit, but next week we've got six games on the schedule. They're all Sunbelt conference games. And to me, our game of the week is probably going to either be Georgia Southern, Georgia state or Southern Miss Troy. And I think probably just to help, maybe help us in the eyes of the Southern Miss fans, we're probably going to choose Southern Miss Troy as our game of the week next week. I think we just kind of have to, and I think that will be a really good game. And to me, it is one of those games that in a wild West could be a trap game for Troy, but we'll get into that a little bit more next week. Um, Let's move on to, and again, we'll go through these next games fairly quickly, but Old Dominion versus Liberty. Uh, Old Dominion loses this game 38-25. to uh, Two big storylines, particularly from the Old Dominion side. Zach Kuntz goes down with an injury. Um, we're not 100% sure what the status is there. They're hoping that it's not a long-term injury, but uh, Ricky Ronnie, the coach for Old Dominion, doesn't generally comment on those injuries, so it's tough to tell. Uh, but certainly for Old Dominion, they need Kuntz in there if they're going to be successful this year. The other big story here, Hayden Wolf probably had his best game of the year. He's thrown for over 250 yards in his last two games, threw for a season-high 297 and two touchdowns. He's actually had four straight games with two touchdown passes, so his ratio over those last four games, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Also had his first career rushing touchdown, and Hayden, here's an interesting tie-in for Wolf. He credited his performance to the fact that Hurricane Ian, that actually... Played a little bit of an effect on this game all the way up in Virginia. The eye of that hurricane actually came ashore two miles south of where Hayden Wolf grew up. He had a lot of family down there that traveled up for the game. His grandma is dealing with some issues with the house. There wasn't any water when she got back or when she was heading back home. So he had a little something extra to play for, playing for maybe his hometown a little bit. Hayden Wolf had just a fantastic game, but it comes in a loss.
1: Yeah, tough loss for um, ODU this week. And I think the the score, this one doesn't really show how close the game was. It was really tight, especially in the first half. But Liberty just slowly but surely pulled away at the end. I don't think their defense was, or their offense, sorry, was tough to keep up with Caden Salter. We talked about that amazing one-handed catch. He was just extending plays for them and was a little bit too much for them. But yeah, shout out Hayden Wolfe. Obviously a great story, him playing his best game of the year. If you see him having 46 pass attempts you have to you have to like that for sure especially with, with the, the run game we've talked about and the struggles they've had there but another big thing for ODU men right now they have Ali Jennings right now leading the country in receiving yards and then they have Jason Henderson on the defense side of the ball leading the nation in tackles so they have some talent over there I think they're really going to have to lean on these two guys going into their conference schedule but tough loss thankfully it's a non-conference game but then they still have a lot to be excited about over there on both sides of the ball going forward into their conference schedule
0: Yeah, you mentioned Jennings. He's now caught a touchdown pass in four straight games. He went eight catches, 129 yards in that touchdown catch. And you also mentioned Jason Henderson. And after 21 tackles last week, any number short of that was going to be a letdown. And Caden, he had just 15 tackles in this game, continues to lead the country. The dude's been a monster. And really, when you look at ODU's defense as a whole, their model has been to force turnovers all year long. They forced a couple more in this one. Um, but Liberty also forced a couple turnovers and that really ended up being the difference in this game.
1: Yeah, it was definitely, a, they got two interceptions, which was big, but it just didn't really turn into points for either team, really, if you're looking at it. I think Liberty capitalized a little bit more on that, but if you look at the box score this one, you look at the game, ODU played a very good game statistically. They converted better on third down than them. They turned the ball over. They possessed the ball more than them, but I think Ultimately, ODU is just going to have to find that formula to win them games and do what kind of what South Alabama did at the end of the game, kind of what Troy did at the end of the game. Find that second level and that second wind and really just go up and achieve the moment like they did in their first game in their upset victory. So I think ODU, we talked about how strong they are at home. It's It sucks to see them lose at home because I, I really did believe there was a special thing going on on their campus in their home stadium when they played. But like I said, they still they still have a ton to build off of, I think they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with in this conference and a team that week in and week out is going to be a tough matchup for just about anybody. They play Coastal Carolina the next week so I think that's going to be a huge barometer in seeing where they are in the conference because they've been playing so many non-conference games lately it feels like only got their one conference game over Arkansas State that they handled but I'm excited to see them get into this Eastern Conference or eastern side of the conference sorry and get into that schedule because I feel like we haven't talked about them too too much as far as how they match up against the JMU's, the Georgia Southern's, the Georgia State's, the App State's.
0: Yeah, Old Dominion, they've been an underdog in four of their first game, four, five games. They win two of those. We move on to another game that Arkansas State was favored in this game, but they were playing a ULM team coming off of that big victory against Louisiana last week. Uh, Arkansas State would go on to win this game by 17 and improve their winning streak over ULM and kind of a little bit of a border rivalry. They've now won 13 games in a row over the Warhawks down in Monroe. Um, The story in this game, Johnny Lang, he was a one-man wrecking crew, 254 all-purpose yards, rushed for 46, received 51, and had a kickoff return for a touchdown. He had 157 yards in return. He became just the third Sunbelt player in history with a rushing, receiving, and kickoff return touchdown in the same game. Caden, this is a great name of the last guy who did this. Ty Hilton did it in 2010 when FIU was a member of the league. Ty Hilton, you already remember, uh, was a really good wide receiver in the NFL for the uh, Indianapolis Colts.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was a big game out of him. I think you mean T.Y. Hilton. But that was just a great game from Arkansas State. I think their offensive tempo and their pace, I think if you play a team like ULM, who doesn't really hang their hat too hard on their defense, you're going to be a hard team to keep up with. I mean, you saw them have the second and third quarter with 14 points. James Blackman throwing the ball around 250 yards, two touchdown passes. I think Arkansas State, I don't know if they're going to be able to beat every single game like this. I don't know if they're going to get a game out of Johnny Lang quite like this every week. But you have to like what you see, at least from their offense, especially throwing the ball around getting the run game established a little bit, having some dynamic plays made. But I think their defense does have some things they have to worry about. I mean, ULM putting 28 points on you is not the best thing in the world. But I think for Arc State, this is big. And they, like we talked about before with Georgia Southern, get two wins. That's how many wins they had last year. So they're off to a two and three start. And they have something to build off of as far as what they did last year and then coming into this year and the rest of their schedule.
0: James Blackman continues to play well. Third straight game with over 250 yards through the air. Five touchdowns to just one interception in his last three games. 67% 67% completion rate so far this uh, season, Caden. And that would be a career best. I really like what Blackman's doing for this Arkansas State team. And this could be a team in Arkansas State. They know how to put up points that maybe could shock one of our title favorites over the next couple of weeks.
1: hundred percent. They definitely have the makings to upset a team, depending on how good James Black- Blackman plays. We talked about it early in their season. One of the younger rosters, a lot of young receivers. And it th- looks like he's getting more and more comfortable with them every year. He's throwing the ball to a lot of different guys. I believe he hit about... Eight, nine tar- different targets for this game. And the, mostly everybody had a pretty big play and over 50 yards from a couple of guys. So I think he's getting those guys acquainted. And I think they're going to have to lean on this offense if they want to have any success this year, which isn't really a bad thing to lean on. If you look at some of these games they have ahead, they can torch some of these defenses that we've seen play very well the South Alabama's, the ULL's. I think they could compete in a lot of these different games. So maybe in the, in the, in the later portion of the year, we'll be picking Ark State and some of these upset wins if we're feeling a little bit dicey because they're showing us they can put some points up on the board. So I'm excited about watching their offense just throughout the year and hoping that their defense can keep up and mature with them as well. Our
0: next game involved a team that put up a ho-hum 40 points and won by 27, and that was James Madison over Texas State. Uh, they win that game 40-13. to Third time in four games this season that James Madison has put up over 40 points. Their offense looking like maybe the best in the league. Uh, but really, the story for James Madison continues to just be their defense. Um, it continues to be one of the best in the Sun Belt. They surrendered just 246 yards in this game, forced four turnovers in this contest. And uh, they gave up a season-high 106 yards on the ground, uh, Caden. They're now averaging 47.5 yards per game given up on the season, that defense.
1: Yeah, it's really hard at this point to just say, like, what's what's more overwhelmingly impressive, like Tots and Tail in the offensive attack or this defense that's just absolutely stifling. I mean, both sides of the ball, them looking great per usual. I think we both predicted that they would play well in this one, and they did, and I think – it's just a huge testament to their transition, like we talked about before. Obviously, Texas State isn't the biggest, baddest team in the Sun Belt as of late, but the fact that they could go have a home game, have a huge packed-out crowd, and just show that they could establish their brand of ball from the line of scrimmage from the first whistle to the end was huge for them. So obviously, shout-out to JMU. Keep, keep killing it, keep doing big things. And Again, we're really excited to watch them go into this Eastern Conference um, side of the schedule as well.
0: Caden, pull out your phone right now and check your calendar, because I'm just curious if we should um, book hotels for that November 26 matchup where Coastal goes to JMU. I know JMU oh, is man. not eligible for the conference, but that's the last game of the year, and JMU have, would have a chance there to basically win the East if they stay hot, but really not win the East. Uh, that might be a game uh, the day after Thanksgiving, or really two days after Thanksgiving this year, because Thanksgiving's... Um, I, I believe on the 24th, if I remember correctly. But uh, that might be a game that uh, you and I need to go to.
1: No, I would, I would pay to see that one and go to that one literally today. Obviously, we're talking about the two undefeated teams in the conference right now. And we and ta- You mentioned it before. I mean, JMU obviously had to do with your power rankings and you're not ranking them so high. Them not being able to play in the conference championship. I think, man, they're going for that people's championship like we talked about before. I think they're going to try to cement themselves and prove that even if they can't win a conference championship this year or a bowl game game and necessarily compete in one, that they are going to want to establish themselves as the top doggies in this conference as soon as they show up. So super excited for that matchup. And I definitely agree. We might have to check that one out for sure.
0: I mean, Chris Thornton already gave us the great places to eat and hang out up there. So I'm thinking (laughs) that maybe you drive from Atlanta to Greenville, South Carolina. We split the drive the rest of the way, uh, and we spend some time up in Harrisonburg to cap off the season before uh, we make our way to the Sunbelt Championship game the next weekend. But really, the last game that we wanted to mention in this one, and this was really just for props, uh, Georgia State went uh, to West Point and beat Army 31-14. Um, Georgia State could have very easily lost this game, but they score 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win by 17. I thought this was interesting. Sean Elliott, after the game, he just said that, simply put, his team decided they were not losing today. And uh, I think that's a good sign for Georgia State. They didn't lose this game. Their their rushing attack was very solid. Tucker Gregg, Jamias Williams, each went over 100 yards. They combined for 230 on the ground, rush for 299 total. Um, and with 55 seconds left, Tucker Gregg, you know ripped off a 56-yard run in this contest for his 20th career touchdown he became the all-time leader in Georgia State in terms of rushing touchdowns in his career
1: yeah obviously it's good that they decided they didn't want to lose this game it would have been nice if they would have decided that for the first couple games of the of the schedule but now nah, shout out to them i think they showed what we kind of thought we were going to see from them all year we thought I I personally didn't think they were going to be able to compete for the conference championship this year but they were going to be very close just on the cusp and maybe one more year because they do have that talent and they do have both sides of the ball that can play very efficiently I think we saw that in this game but like you said they're they're really fighting for their season at this point it's good to see them get this win and it's good to see both sides of the ball clicking on all cylinders but they're about to get into the bulk of this Eastern Conference schedule and I think that depending on how they come out of it it would be amazing if they could just rip off win after win after win but that would just be something we don't expect and don't anticipate happening but if they can get in the conversation keep some of these games close try to get into bowl eligibility do what they can to do i think they will be a team to watch but this just shows the potential they can reach this year and i hope that we see more of that this year versus some of the stuff we saw earlier in the season for them
0: okay now i'm gonna make a quick prediction before we move on to your smith picks of the week i know you're excited to get to those but um (laughs) I'm going to make a prediction and state that Georgia State, they still have App State on their schedule, JMU on their schedule, and Marshall on their schedule. Georgia State, they will beat one of those three teams
1: hmm okay i i like more of the if you would have thrown southern in there if you throw to throw monroe in there i might have been able to buy a little bit more but we'll get to those matchups when we get to there. i know we're going to talk about those a lot and get into some of these these eastern matchups because i think there is going to be a little bit room for madness and i think if georgia state plays like this i mean they can keep it tight with anybody in the conference and i think if they've showed in this game that they can pull it out and get a win over a really good army team so we'll see we'll see
0: well go ahead and give us your smith picks of the week i know you've been waiting to give it to us
1: Yeah, man, let's get right into it. On the offensive side of the ball, I don't think there's going to be any surprises here. I think the go-to pick, my pick of the week for the offensive player of the week is Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall. We talked about it before, 23 for 34, 335 yards, three touchdowns, and then 10 rushes for 34 yards and one on the ground. I think this game, you can't say that Coastal Carolina would have won this game without him. I think the pace that was set by Georgia Southern was hard to keep up with, and I don't think there's very many quarterbacks in the conference that could but he didn't. He did everything he had to do for his team. We talked about the deep ball accuracy, extending plays with his legs and really just being the answer. He's the answer, man. He's the maestro of this offense and he's the answer to whatever a defense throws at you, whatever an offense throws at you. And he just epitomized that today. So biggest game of the year for him. So I got to give it to Grayson McCall. On the defensive side of the ball, man, I hate to do it again, but I have to give it to Carl to Marshall again. He went back to back. He had 12 tackles, a half a tackle and a PBU, but one key interception as well. And I think if you look at the game, they got such a big win and you have to give it to them because he gets an interception. He takes them off. the. He takes his um, defense off the field, puts his offense on the field. They lose by a touchdown. It's you can say that if he doesn't have that interception and if you don't have that, Big strip sack at the end of the game. Those two plays, those two turnovers were huge against this team. So I have to give it to Carlton Marshall. But shout out to Trey Pickney. He had 10 tackles and an interception in that win for Coastal Carolina. And then we talked about Jason Henderson, another 15 tackle game. But got to give it to the guy Carlton Marshall is trying to establish himself as the linebacking goat right now in the conference. And he did it again coming up big for his team in that big non-conference victory over Western Kentucky University.
0: Carlton Marshall now needs just 59 tackles to become the all-time leader in NCAA FBS history. He's currently, I believe, tied for eighth, but you have to imagine by the end of the season, barring some sort of injury, uh, that he's going to set that mark. He'll definitely be a target, uh, Caden, that we want to try to get on this podcast in advance of uh, him attacking that record, but definitely now going to be on record watch. I mean, you have to imagine you do the math with how he plays. That's probably four or five games away um, before he does that, unless he has just some massive game, but some great picks there. And uh, your record speaks for itself in these. You've uh, you've picked these extremely well. Uh, We generally release these episodes before the Sunbelt. And I have to imagine that they listen to your Smith picks of the week, because for the last couple of weeks, the picks that you have made have been the ones that the Sunbelt has gone with. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they go with uh, later today. Um, Well, that's that'll do it for our week five recap episode, October off and running. And now the countdown begins for our first conference only weekend of the season in week six. A quick reminder that we'll be back with another episode on Wednesday of this week. Um, We're not ready to announce our student athlete guest at this time, but uh, you'll definitely be excited to hear who we're planning on having on the podcast. Um, You're just going to have to wait and see. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, we both really enjoyed this episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast. We certainly hope you did too. If you did, take a moment and subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you'll never miss an episode. Also, take a moment and leave us a quick review. It really helps us out on those rankings in the chart on both Apple and Spotify. helps us gain more listeners, so please take a moment to do that. And lastly, follow us on our new Twitter page at, at and Smith for all the latest Sunbelt news and notes, as well as mine and Caden's best hot takes of the week. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.